0: Chapter 5 of One Commonplace Day by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 5 Society Circles. Ah, Charlie said. A case of benevolence? Well, she is certainly a nice looking little girl. One wouldn't dream of her antecedents. His gracious tone said that Fanny's mother was to be commended for a kind act, and then he dismissed Kate Hartzell from his mind that she had anything whatever to do with his conscience was an idea which had not for a moment entered his mind. What was old Joe Hartzell's daughter to him? All this time the group under the spreading tree are waiting for their supper, but the digression describes, among other things, how Lloyd McLean chances to be the companion of Mildred Powers. He found her pleasant company, and in a sense attached himself to her, not that he was disagreeably or exclusively attentive when the train reached the picnic grounds he found plenty of friends but it suited his mood to hover near the party which he had first joined and to bestow more or less attention on mildred and kate hartzell he had not discovered who kate hartzell was if he gave her any thought at all he supposed her to be a guest at the copelands is that lady aunt to all this company this was mildred's somewhat astonished question in answer to young lambert's remark about the sandwiches which he made a few pages back i have heard at least a dozen persons speak of her this afternoon i should think and call her aunt wainwright charlie lambert laughed i know it and it is rather a singular thing we all claim her as aunt and she is not related to any of us it cannot be accounted for on the ground that she is particularly winning in her manners for i consider her rather sharp than otherwise don't you fanny i don't know her very well fanny said but i have heard that she could be sarcastic when she chose i think people fell into the habit of calling her auntie years ago when she had a host of nephews and nieces about her she belongs to one of the old families mildred who lived here before eastwood was a town but her relatives are all scattered and she lives alone in a lovely place and is rich and people like to get invited to roam through her grounds and eat her chickens and cream we wouldn't any of us mind having her for a truly auntie as the children say she is an original character to talk said charlie I always give her a chance at me, because I like to hear her go on. She is an old-school friend of my mother, and has special jurisdiction over me in consequence. And she doesn't spare me, I assure you. I ought to be worth something after she gets me brought up. Do you know her, McLean? Then you ought to. She is a rich character to study. Let's all go up there, and I'll give you an introduction. The hero of the day is there, too perhaps we will be treated to a free-temperance lecture.' And this was why they mounted the hill and sat down by the rock with the stream gurgling below them. Several others, by accident or design, strolled that way and were cordially welcomed. Not very far from them a brisk fire was burning, and a committee of those long-suffering people, who always do the work at all picnics, were engaged in making coffee, roasting corn, and in various other ways preparing to regale the troops. The general arrangements of this picnic were somewhat unique. At least they would have been in any other town. The people of Eastwood had the matter reduced to a science. It was fully understood that those fortunate persons, whether gentlemen or ladies, who came from homes, should bring with them well-stored baskets with bread and cake and whatever they or their home party needed to make a substantial meal, always, of course, adding a little for the benefit of those unfortunates who had no homes but lived in boarding houses. They, on their part, were sure to be laden with coffee, sugar, lemons, pickles, anything that was buyable at first-class groceries. Then each individual who joined a group understood that his or her basket would be presently confiscated by a committee appointed by the said group, and in due time a collation would be served, consisting of something from his own basket, if he could pick it out, and something from all the other baskets belonging to the clique. The great fire, built up scientifically under a certain tree, did duty for the entire party. The great boiler of coffee sent out its appetizing signal when ready, and as many pitchers or pails or coffee-pots as were forwarded from the various groups were promptly filled from the generous boiler. It is certainly a very nice way to have a picnic, except, perhaps, for the people who manage the coffee and feed the fires and roast the corn or the apples or whatever is to be roasted besides their own faces. Well, now you understand or at least if you knew Miss Wainwright, you could think of several reasons why the spot where she was seated would be a favorite one. People well acquainted with her knew that her brown basket was very large, and that the glass cans set in a pail of ice, which accompanied the brown basket, would be filled with genuine cream skimmed from four-quart pans which had been all the morning in Miss Wainwright's stone dairy, preparing themselves for this occasion there were others as i said who had been drawn through various motives to this same spot one was miss fleming she distinguished herself on this particular occasion by wearing a light silk dress which she sighingly remarked spotted if so much as a drop of water touched it to say nothing of drops of coffee and cream and by wearing such delicate boots that on jumping a log one of them split from seam to seam and that foot had to be tucked under her in some skilful way for the rest of the time when she was seated and to be endured with mortification when she walked while the coffee was being served and before the conversation had become general miss fleming suddenly addressed fanny copeland with whom she was not on terms of exceeding intimacy by the way miss copeland who is that girl who brought you a pin when you tore your skirt down there by the fall i never saw her at any of our gatherings before that i remember if anybody had been paying close attention to fanny copeland at that moment they would have seen that her cheeks glowed deeper than the autumn leaves in her bouquet but she answered promptly her name is hartzell hartzell why i know that name don't i what makes it so familiar where does she come from "'From Eastwood, Miss Fleming, on the two-o'clock train?' "'Yes, of course,' laughed Miss Fleming. "'But I mean originally. I don't know her. "'I thought I knew all the girls in society, by sight at least.' "'Was Miss Fleming obtuse or hateful?' "'Fanny would have given something to know which. "'Meantime she waited for her answer. "'She is not in society,' Fanny said, biting her lips "'and trying to keep her voice steady.' but she lives in Eastwood. Indeed! How strange that I should not know her! Everybody knows everybody else in our little villages, Mr. Cleveland. Where did you say she lived, Fanny? Fanny had not said, but clearly she must do so. She drew a long breath. There was no help for it. She lives with us just now, Miss Fleming. Her home is in Varley's Lane. Down on the flats? it would be impossible probably to convey to you an idea of what miss fleming's voice expressed because you see you are not acquainted with the flats but to the initiated that word meant as great a remove from the proprieties of life as miss fleming at least was able in her imagination to reach why how very queer that the girl should come here this afternoon how do you account for it my dear miss copeland it must be quite a trial to you Oh, that Fanny Copeland could truthfully say it was not a trial that she was glad to have her enjoy the lovely afternoon, but the bitter truth was that from the moment of their starting up to this time, Kate Hartzell had been a trial to her. If she was in the group, the embarrassing question was what to do with her, to whom to introduce her, who would treat her kindly and make the day as pleasant for her as possible who would consider it an insult to be presented to her and constantly revolving these trying questions in her mind fanny had thus far been unable to settle them and had shirked all introductions leaving kate to care for herself still when she lost sight of her it was not much better the question then was what was kate doing where was she had she anybody to talk with was she having a miserable time fanny liked her well enough to wish it were possible for her to have a good time and yet not trouble her in any way how silly it had been in the girl to go to such a place how mistaken mother was in supposing that it was the right thing to do this was always the spot to which poor fanny's thoughts returned yet here was this dreadful miss fleming waiting for her answer before it was ready miss wainwright had asked a question "'Isn't the girl respectable, Miss Fleming?' Miss Fleming shrugged her narrow shoulders and drew a breadth of her dress away from Charlie Lambert's coffee cup. "'Respectable, my dear Miss Wainwright? How should I know? We will hope so. Why, we must accept it, of course, since Miss Copeland endorses her. Or I suppose that isn't quite fair. You couldn't help her coming to a public picnic if she took a fancy of that sort, I presume?' why miss wainwright you surely must know the condition of the flats the girl must be a relative of that old joe Hartzell if she lives down there is she really miss copeland she is his daughter miss fleming exclaimed in dismay and then further explained my dear miss wainwright he is one of the worst drunkards on the flats well i should think that as far as it went was an excellent reason why his daughter should be entitled to sympathy to sympathy oh yes but we are hardly bound to make an intimate associate of her i suppose this with a disagreeable little laugh which in no wise disconcerted miss wainwright that would have to depend on her individual merit i should say THE MERE CIRCUMSTANCE OF HER FATHER HAVING BECOME A DRUNKARD HAS NOTHING TO DO WITH HER INDIVIDUAL WORTH, HAS IT? I BELIEVE IN YOUNG WOMEN NOT ASSOCIATING WITH THOSE WHO DRINK. I HONOR YOUR EXCLUSIVENESS IN THAT DIRECTION. BUT WHEN IT COMES TO EXCLUDING THE SONS AND DAUGHTERS OF DRUNKARDS, WHO ARE IN NO WISE RESPONSIBLE FOR THEIR FATHER'S SINS, ISN'T THAT RATHER HARD? THERE WAS THAT ABOUT THIS SENTENCE WHICH MADE MISS FLEMING WINCE. At least several persons in the group knew that she was not noted for exclusiveness for the cause assigned. On the contrary, young Pearson, who had at all times the entrée of her father's house, and was on very familiar terms with his daughter, was himself almost what might be styled a drunkard. But then his father did not live on the flats. In fact, he owned the finest hotel in Eastwood, beside a great deal of other valuable property and was a candidate for the legislature miss fleming answered with some ausperity. oh i have not the slightest objection to miss copeland's choosing her friends from whom she will of course it was merely a passing curiosity i knew the girl was not in our set this sentence did not help fanny copeland neither did what followed it so happened that mildred had been absent from the group when this conversation commenced having been challenged by lloyd mclean to step to the very edge of the rock which leaned daringly over the chasm below in order to get a view which in his judgment could be had from no other point she had tried it and returned in safety in time not to hear anything which had been said but to catch a glimpse of kate Hartzell standing alone at the base of the hill a look of embarrassment and irresoluteness on her face. She was beginning to feel that she belonged nowhere. Groups were gathering for supper, nobody had invited her, nobody so far had made it possible for her to join them. Indeed, none of them had thought of it, save Fanny Copeland, and she had studiously avoided being in Kate's vicinity for the last hour." now if poor kate had any supper to which she was entitled it certainly reposed in the willow basket which she had herself carried to the train but she felt it would be much easier to go supperless than it would be to climb that hill alone with the eyes of all the company on the rocks watching her and take her seat among them what a pity that she had been tempted into going to the picnic her better judgment had told her not to do it but Miss Copeland had so kindly urged it, and Fanny, since she came home from school, had been so pleasant, and it had seemed as though it would be so nice to belong just for once, that she had yielded. But she would never, no never, try to be anybody again. A good deal of this bitterness was in her face as she stood down there, uncertain where to go, knowing no place to hide from eyes mildred saw her distinctly and spoke distinctly about her why fanny there is kate at the foot of the hill looking deserted oughtn't you to call her up poor fanny who was being tried in a way that mildred with her different nature could hardly understand answered sharply she certainly knows enough to come up here if she wishes without waiting for me to call her she is not my special charge mildred "'though everybody seems determined to suppose so.' "'Mildred, not having heard the conversation, "'and not seeing then the look of suppressed amusement "'on Miss Fleming's face, "'felt only surprise at Fanny's tones, "'but turned from her and gave attention "'to the young girl at the foot, "'her voice sounding out clearly among the hills. "'Come up, Kate, supper is ready, "'and there is just room for you.' "'I'm sure I don't know where,' said Miss Fleming, we are crowded a little as it is.' A sudden light, as of one who had seen a rift in the cloud of her gloom, came over the face below, but Kate shook her head. She could see Fanny Copeland's face. "'Thank you,' she said. "'I don't think I want any supper. I will walk down the ravine a little way.' At this point Mr. Cleveland arose from his position on an overhanging cliff and crossed the table-land which separated him from Mildred the ascent is rather ugly for a lady alone miss powers but if you do not mind it suppose i pilot you down to your friend then i will engage to see you both landed safely on this very platform ready for coffee thank you said mildred brightly i shall be very glad indeed to go and they made the descent rapidly leaving a group in various stages of surprise to gaze after them as for Fanny, her face was in a flame. End of chapter 5